Kentish Town, North London. There was ice on the pavement from snowfall a few days earlier, and the wind had a sting that made Craig Willow pull his spur scarf over his ears. He was a big man with a boxer's flattened nose, but two decades past glory days in the ring. The street was all Victorian houses. Most had been refurbished by posh types, but number 16 was shabby, with a tumble-down garage and ancient sash windows faded to the dull green of something you might hack up after a dose of flu. Craig pulled the front door key out of grubby tracksuit bottoms. The place had been used as student accommodation till a few summers earlier. The hallway had prepaid gas and electric meters, pigeonholes for mail, and a long disconnected payphone. There was no heat, but it was still warmer than outside. Craig pulled off sheepskin gloves and gave numb fingers a rub before banging his fist on a metal door. Someone sped downstairs on the other side and spoke with a tetchy Welsh accent. That you, Craig? Craig sounded irritated. Nice no, father bloody Christmas, come a week early. You can see me on a CCTV. Agar says you've got to say the password. Nobody gets in or out without it. OK, Craig said, taking a big breath and tightening his fists. The password is, open the door, you little knobhead, or I'll stick your skull through the wall. After a pause, bolts started clanking inside the heavily reinforced door. When it swung open, Craig advanced three steps and gently cuffed the skinny teenager on the other side. Password, Craig snorted. You're going the right way by getting a slap. But Jake didn't take the threat seriously. Boss's son, he teased as he led Craig up steps covered with frayed carpet. You'll probably have to call me sir someday. You're Agar's stepson, Craig corrected. When he loses interest in your mother, he'll ditch you like weak old bread. The conversation dropped because they'd rounded the top of the stairs and stepped into a large room. There were blackout blinds at all the windows. At one end was a pair of long desks and an electronic money-counting machine. The other end of the room was a chill-out area with wrecked couches and a big-screen TV showing Sky Sports with the sound muted. The two men in the room were touching fifty and seemed intimidated by Craig's bulk. "'What's been happening?' Craig demanded. "'116,000,' the taller of the two men said as he pointed to a large safe. "'Vacuum wrapped into ten K blocks. The other safe's got two hundred and twelve, and there's eighteen kgs of cocaine in the sports bag.' Craig's brow shot up and one of the men took a frightened half-step backwards. "'Are you messing with my head?' Craig blurted angrily. Who said to send drugs to the count house? Why didn't someone call me? Jake answered. Piece of business went bad. It was an emergency, like. Agar said there's a lot of merchandise and this was the safest place. Craig shook his head with contempt. It was a basic rule of drug dealing that spanned millionaire kingpins to kids hustling ten-pound bags on the street. You always keep money and merchandise separate. Any pick-up scheduled? He asked. It's just you and Jake on guard unless something changes. Okay, then. Craig said, looking at the money counters. Get yourselves home to them wives and not a peep to anyone about our 18 packets of powder. A couple of crews came up short, one of the oldies said, pointing to a notebook on the table. Archway firm as usual. It's all in the ledger. A few swings of my old baseball bat usually loosens their pockets, Craig said, relishing the prospect of some violence. Jake gormously mimed the gesture of a swinging baseball bat as the two cash counters headed for home. Once they were through the steel door at the bottom of the stairs, Craig made sure they'd cleared the building on a security camera before going down and putting the bolts back across the steel door. When he got back up, he was again irritated by the bulging sports bag filled with 18 kilos of cocaine under one of the desks. Apart from a few assault charges, Craig had always stayed out of trouble with the law and had never been to prison. Getting busted guarding a house full of illicit money would mean a three- to five-year prison sentence. A house full of drugs and money would up the sentence to ten years, and the thought sat uncomfortably as he dumped his jacket on the couch. Jake shouted from the kitchen. There's city mash on Sky in a bit. I did run to Sainsbury's earlier. What do you fancy? Is my curry curry hot dogs? Or I could do bacon, egg and chips? Craig made a grunting sound before speaking. Oh, I'll look in the fridge in a second. I've got to go upstairs for a shit. I can start cooking, Jake said. 
Craig tutted. We're on guard for the next twelve hours, kid. What difference will waiting for me to take a crack make? Craig grabbed a copy of the sun off a coffee table before heading to the bathroom on the top floor. The toilet was rank and the only cleaning product was an empty bottle of toilet duck which he lobbed into the bathtub in frustration.